you came. Good to be in church. Something about forsaking not, assembling yourselves together, as some would do, especially as you see the day approaching. And boy, we can see the day approaching. So that's what the meetings have been about in time events and how we can tell how close we are. Isn't it cool of the Lord to give us verse after verse after verse of what it would look like just before the Lord comes? You know, it's interesting. Why would he go to so much trouble to give us the whole book of Daniel, the whole book of Revelation? So we would be able to connect the dots and go, man, the Lord's about to come back to the planet. So it's exciting. I mean, think about it. As you see the finish line, you run faster, not slower. I've never seen somebody train, work, labor, get in the race, and all of a sudden there's a finish line. They go, oh, wow, I think I'll rest. No, no, no. You get that adrenaline. In fact, your heart rate gets intensified. Your, your run gets intensified. Just like the last two minutes of a football game. The last two minutes are the funnest part, man. It's intense. Same thing with the race. When the white flag goes out and you've got one lap left, people go crazy on that last lap. People take chances they hadn't taken the whole race during that last lap. So we, we have a wonderful opportunity uh, to get into the Word of God to see what it looks like so that we can make changes and, and accelerate and, and enjoy our lives. It's funny how He wants you to have a good time right up until the coming of the Lord. I mean, for the world, it's very scary. I mean, for the, it's sobering for the world, but for the church, there's no bad news. I hear people go, you know, this, the, this and this and this and this. And I'm like, no, that's not for you. That's for you got to remember when we get into all the stuff, you got to find out, is he talking to the Jews? Is he talking to the nations or is he talking to the church? Because right. talking to the church, there really is no bad news other than a lack of hunger. And you're in church on the time of a lack of hunger. Amen. So you push through that and you came to hear the word. So uh, a little bit of a, a couple minutes of review. What did we get into Friday night? The signs of the coming of the Lord. It's pretty blatant, pretty uh, clear how many there are. Uh, pretty wild that, that Jesus would show us how clear it'd be. He said, the generation that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem on back, he said, that group of people won't pass away till all is fulfilled. Yeah. Wow. I mean, think about that. The two main events that Jesus said makes you the last group have already happened. And then you have tons more. I mean, you, those are the main signs. But you've got the Hebrew language restored. You've got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the Temple Mount Institute. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. I mean, these are all tangible, physical things you can look at that God said you'd see just before the coming of the Lord. But then in the last few weeks and months, you had foxes show up on the Temple Mount. That's Lamentations 5.18. That's pretty crazy. That the Bible says that when you see foxes on the Temple Mount, it's gotten desolate and it's time for the Messiah to come. Then you had fish show up in the Dead Sea. Uh, Ezekiel prophesied that 2,700 years ago. When did that happen? Last year, 2019. Not 50 years ago, not 100 years ago, last year. And then three weeks ago, you had the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. First time in 2,000 years. Rabbis are going, man, it's time for the Messiah. And then you had Rabbi Yitzhak Kaduri. Uh, as a, I don't quote a lot of rabbis because they're not really born again yet, but he got born again. Jesus appeared to him, gave his life to the Lord. He wrote a letter and said, when I'm, after I've been gone for a, a full year, open my letter. And they opened the letter and said he's come to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. But he prophesied also, this was in 2005, that just before the coming of the Messiah, Israel would be ruled by two Benjamins. Last week, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz got sworn in as co-prime ministers. Because of the coronavirus, they thought they'll share power. Because they couldn't really form a government because the voting was so close that they had to have three different votes. So that's kind of crazy that you have all this stuff. Then you've got blood red moons on Passover. 
Tabernacles. You've got Bethlehem Star last year. I mean, Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus. I mean, you've got all this uh, heavenly activity, earthly activity that preaches to us. Yeah, so it, may, it should make us alter the way we think. There should be a joy about our lives, a victory about our lives. As we got into all these signs, because I'm, this is all review for a moment, as we get into all of it, it's because He loves you so much. He's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. He wants you excited. He wants you expectant. I said it uh, fr- Friday night. I couldn't imagine Colleen when we got married. You know, we're we're standing there, and I'm standing there waiting her for walk, her to walk down the aisle. It would have been kind of a bummer if Colleen's walking down the aisle. She's going, "Oh my God, I'm about to marry that guy." No, that wouldn't have been cool. <laughs> and like I said, if you if you were not excited the day you got married, you may have made a mistake. Wow, good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on, amen. <laughs> no, so he wants you expectant, wants you happy. And we got into it last night talking about the rapture. What, what did Paul say? Connecting the dots with the rapture of the church so that you would be happy and hopeful and then comforted. Five things about the coming of the Lord. Don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. He wants you happy, hopeful, and comforted. There is no bad news for the church. And I hear people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Actually, you can if you can read. To say that's like saying I can't tell when I'm getting from uh, Columbia. I don't know all the towns in South Carolina. Charleston to Columbia. Let's say it's 150 miles and you're on the freeway. The sign says 150 miles. The next sign says 140. Next sign says 130. Next sign says 120. You don't freak out. The signs are telling you you're getting close to the city you're going to. If you see a McDonald's sign that says 8 miles, I know that I'm going to be there in about 6 minutes. (laughs) That means I'm speeding. Praise the Lord. So the signs are there to let you anticipate your exit. And that's what we talked about last night was the rapture of the church. You know, I hear people go, well, you just want to escape the things that are going to happen on the earth. That's exactly right. I'm supposed to go to the reward seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'm not concerned about being in the midst of turmoil. That doesn't, doesn't freak me out at all. But I'm not supposed to be here. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. That's Israel. Okay? The whole purpose of the tribulation is so that Jesus can present Himself to His brethren just like Joseph did at the very end. Everything is flawless in the plan of God so that God owes them back those seven years. If you were here last night, we got into Daniel 9. Did everybody understand that last night? That wasn't too complicated. But there there was a few of you that weren't here. But it's pretty cool how uh, flawless the plan of God is. How we're going to be evacuated and, and God's going to hand off to the Jews. And God's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And the Bible says that their harvest is innumerable. You can count a 200 million man army at the second coming, but you can't count how many people get saved. That's a lot of people getting saved. And we'll look at that today. We'll look at the little uh, the percentages. And we'll get into the millennial reign of Christ today. You don't hear a lot of preaching on the millennium. But we're going to look at what our job's going to be during that thousand years. Once you see what your function's going to be, uh, it makes you really find out why God's invested so much in this generation. Because we're not done. We're tasting of the powers of the world to come. I hear people say, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because I've got so much in my heart. It's because you're not done at the rapture. The rapture is a beginning, not an ending. So, we know we're going to be caught up to meet Him in the air. And then we're going to go to the reward seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we're going to come back with Him on white horses. How cool is that? We're going to fly on horses back to the planet. What a view of the earth we'll have at that second coming. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He's Lord to the glory of God the Father. You think about Him being beaten and being spit upon, gambled over His robe. All of a sudden, everyone's going to hit the ground and honor Him and magnify Him. 
because He's worthy of adoration. Amen? So grab your Bibles. That was a lot of review. That was a little bit what we got into Friday night and last night. There'll be a test out back. There's a 100-page test on every single detail, so don't worry. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad we don't have tests at church? Hallelujah. Let's pray and we'll get right to the Word. Lord, we love You. Thank You for blessing everyone that came. Thank You for strengthening them. Thank You for the future that we have in You, Jesus. We have such great blessed hope. Blessed hope that we get to see the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, in the midst of this season that we see these birth pains, these, these uh, uh, contractions of the coronavirus and different things that have happened in the last hundred years, World War II and, and Israel being made a nation, earthquakes, all these things that point to uh, this season just before you return. Help us. Help us get more people born again. We thank you for our building here at Destiny Bible Church. Thank you for the land that we have here, Lord. We thank you that it's paid for, the building's paid for. Thank you for overflow. Thank you for all the buses they need or whatever they might have need. Cameras, whatever they need, Lord. Supernaturally supply their need. Amplify your voice from this location. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. You know, the reason why we get into end time preaching, grab your Bibles there and we'll turn to Matthew 24, if you would, is because he wants you engaged. I mean, you can feel it, man. People are just like, yeah, whatever. I couldn't imagine having that kind of haughty whatever attitude right before God comes to the planet. So when I say he wants you engaged, it's like when my wife and I got engaged, we talked more, not less. In other words, the communication level intensifies. It doesn't, it doesn't wane. There, there's more talk and more chatter because you're excited about being together. And so soon we're going to see Jesus. And just as uh, uh, Pastor Stephen said, man, and I've said it many times, as you get close to the coming of the Lord, I would hope it would make you softer, kinder, sweeter, easier to get along with. Because we want to show people that Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew 24 if you've got your Bibles. We're going to cover two things this morning. I know we went through, we've gone about 10 or 15 minutes on review. We're going to get into a little bit about the second coming of the Lord. It's not the rapture. The rapture, we go up to meet the Lord in the air. But the second coming, He bodily comes back to the planet to stop war. Every movie you see where the hero comes in at the end of the day, we get that from the Bible. Because people think the world's coming to an end. The world's never coming to an end. Jesus is going to come back and stop war. We're going to have a thousand year reign on the earth. And then he's going to renovate the earth, but he doesn't destroy it. He renovates it just like you'd renovate a house. It's the exact same word. And then he's going to get a U-Haul and move heaven to earth. How many of you hate moving? Isn't moving the worst thing on the planet? Could you imagine moving the universe down here to the earth? So he's going to move heaven down here. The new Jerusalem is going to come down to the earth. So he likes the earth, I guess, so much that he wants to renew it. And we'll have the earth here forever and we'll have the new Jerusalem. We'll get into all that. We're only going to go to four this afternoon, so don't worry. We'll, we'll, sandwich, we'll pass sandwiches out and we'll get into it here in a minute. But go to Matthew 24. That's a long time to get you to Matthew 24. Buzz over there if you would. And let's look at this for a moment. Now, Matthew 24 is all about the second coming. It has nothing to do with the rapture of the church. So Matthew 24, and Jesus is going to give us a, a picture of what it's going to look like right at the second coming. If you're taking notes or you want to mentally know something, uh, verse 8, he said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. That's the word birth pains. From verse 9 to verse 22 is the tribulation period. Okay? They're ans- he's answering their question. They said, what's it going to look like? What's the sign of your coming? And he answered, tribulation. 
That's not what I would have said because I'm in the church. I wouldn't have gone, wow, the tribulation is a good sign. But he basically saying there's a seven year period that's going to be so severe that you will not be able to say, well, I had no idea. I mean, people are fishing and the water turns to blood. You didn't catch much today. Well, duh, <laughs> the water turned to blood. So people won't be able to say, well, I had no idea. No, it'll be so intense that the Lord's going to get people's attention. You know, in high school, I used to do this when I would date girls. There was a certain point I'd pull over on a date and I'd shoot fireworks out of the I'd get out of the car and get in the trunk, get my fireworks. I'd shoot them off. So I'd say, you can't say you didn't go out with me. You didn't see fireworks. I didn't do it once. I did it many times. OK, now. So, so what was that for to get her attention? So there's going to be seven years of fireworks to get the earth's attention because he loves you so much. It is like hell on earth, but at least it's better than going to hell forever. So we, we pick up at the second coming for a moment. The second coming of the Lord. Look at Matthew 24. If you've got your Bibles there, look at verse number 27. And he gives us a graphic depiction of it. Matthew 24, verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So uh, I've never seen lightning that was casual. It's going to be pretty dramatic. And then he gets into more detail. He says in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Wow. So this event is documented so well in the Old Covenant. You can see a little bit of pictures in Isaiah. A little bit of pictures in Malachi, a little bit of pictures in uh, different ones. But I really, really like Zechariah. It gives you super detail. I was watching last night, Raiders of the Lost Ark was on uh, Paramount Channel. And at the end, you know where the, the stuff goes out and vaporizes their faces. Where's that from? Zechariah. It'll be so intense at the second coming that people's faces are melting. Their eye sockets are melting out of place. The Bible says the second coming is so violent that when Jesus comes back and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, that all the mountains begin to break because of the violence of the coming of the king. And see, we, we've seen Jesus as the kind, sweet guy born in a manger, and all of a sudden the earth's getting ready to have the entrance of God himself. The one that made everything that you see. Hundred billion galaxies with a hundred billion stars like our sun. Just so we'd have twinkle lights at night. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Did that so our nightlight would be like, check that out. <laughs> he, he just thinks different than we do. It, it, there's so many fish, you got to to be a marine biologist, got to go to college for years. There's so many birds. My brother went to be college for nine years to study birds. If I was God, I would have made a blue one and a yellow one. That's it. <laughs> the Lord made so many, you got to go to college for years. So, so we see here great change taking place at the second coming. Documented in the Old Covenant, and Jesus gives us some clear vision of it here. Now watch what He says in verse 31. It's pretty cool. Now these are all second coming verses. These are not the rapture verses. He said He'll send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now the interesting thing at the second coming is, it's the opposite of the rapture. At the rapture, the righteous go up to meet Jesus in the air. At the second coming, the wicked are plucked off the earth. Remember, Jesus said, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares. And at the end of the age, the angels will be the reapers. He's going to leave the righteous. This is a big deal because it shows you your future. The righteous, natural bodied people that make it through the latter part of the trib, they're going to go into the millennial reign of Christ. But the ones that aren't saved are going to be taken off the earth so that the millennium starts out perfectly with righteous people.
So he's, he's getting to it here. Go down a little further. Grab your Bibles there. Is everybody with me? Okay, about seven. All right, here we go. <laughs> now, hang with me. We're going to get to the millennium here in just a second. We just take some minute to get there. So look at verse 38. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage. So even in the midst of seven years of hell on earth, people are still saying, let's date, let's marry, let's go out. People are pushing for life as usual. Just like we are right now with the coronavirus. We're like, no, it's not keeping us from going to the lake. Not keeping us from going to the ocean. We're not playing golf. We're going we're gonna to rock and roll. So he says here, they were eating and drinking until the day that Noah entered in the ark. Knew not till the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Even with all that activity, still it will take people by surprise. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. That's not the rapture. That's at the second coming. The wicked are taken off. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. One shall be taken and the other left. What's cool about this, it shows you the percentage, 50%. At the second coming of Jesus, half of the earth will have given their life to the Lord. That's pretty radical. I preach in France almost every single year. Uh, I was supposed to be in Paris uh, and the lockdown happened. 1% of 1% saved there. Germany, 3% saved. So they're going to have a pretty good revival. France is going to have like a 49% revival and Germany is going to have about a 47% revival. Why will it be easy for them to have a revival? They've had a radical sign called the rapture of the church. The, the Christians all disappeared. And then you got asteroids. you got water turning to blood. you got all this stuff, which we know is horrible, but it's pressure because some people are hard-headed. Unfortunately, my dad waited till the day he had a stroke to give his life to the Lord. <laughs> Before that, he mocked God, cursed God. He had a stroke. Love you, Lord. <laughs> I mean, it didn't take long when people are facing death, man. I'm telling you, it's like they say in World War II, there weren't any atheists in foxholes. Because yeah. you were one step away from a bomb hitting you. So you're like, Lord, I love you. So notice uh, it, it seems strength, strong but because of the haughtiness of man. Uh, there'll be all this pressure. So see, at the second coming, half the people get saved. Let's go a little further. Man, I'm trying to get to the millennium. We'll get there here in just a second. I'll sing the latter part just so you'll have great joy. <laughs> Might be a little fear involved too. Here we go. All right. Go over to Matthew 25. Let's go into a little bit more. And he's going to get more detailed about the second coming. Matthew 25, verse 29. Well, verse 31, sorry. Matthew 25, verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him... He'll sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he'll separate one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. This is really cool. This is called the sheep and goat judgment where he's going to judge people based on how they treated his brethren, the Jews. Okay? And if they get saved, he'll, he'll set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left, and then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Watch this. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So what's going to happen there? He, he wants to give this natural kingdom to these natural people and will be with Jesus in glorified bodies while this is taking place. And he'll judge the nations right there. And I guarantee you, Iran probably won't be here during the millennium. I guarantee you, uh, Libya probably won't be here because those are all nations that uh, Syria probably won't be here because these are nations that tried to annihilate Israel. I haven't talked about it, but six times in the last two weeks, Israel has to, had to preemptively strike Iranian missiles coming from Iran down into Syria. Just two nights ago, they did it again. They keep hitting. Guess where they keep hitting? They keep hitting weapons in Damascus. Isaiah said, listen to this real carefully. Isaiah 17.1 says Damascus will be removed from being a city. 
And while you're alive, Israel's having to bomb Iranian missiles coming down into Syria to get over to Lebanon so they can fire them at Israel. I mean, it's, if, you, if you got into everything that was happening, you'd just be like, that's not possible. Why? Because the, the, the Lord's about to come back. I mean, I'm, I'm getting into events now, but man, it's, it's radical right in your face. You're going to wake up one day before the rapture of the church and Damascus is not going to be there anymore. Something's going to happen. I like what some of the writers say, that they're, they're sneaking in a nuclear bomb there and somehow it detonates on its own and wipes the city off the map. And when that happens, just go, wow, we're getting even closer to the coming of the Lord. So this is pretty cool. This is really radical. Well, let's go over to Revelation 19. You know the verses real well. Go to Revelation 19. And Jesus uh, gets a little bit more picture here of the second coming. This is a cool one. Revelation chapter 19. I know that you know this, but I'm trying to get to the millennium, so we've got to get rocking. Uh, Revelation 19. The verses are so clear in verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Wow. And the armies which were with him in heaven, that's us, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth will go a sharp sword that he'll smite the nations. Watch this. And he'll rule them with a rod of iron. Remember that. He's going to have to rule the nations with a rod of iron even during that thousand years while the devil's bound. Natural man that's not gotten glorified bodies have a tendency to rebel. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. That's why he's raised you up as overseers to oversee all these people for a thousand years. The Bible says if you're faithful over so much, you rule over ten cities, you rule over two cities. You're going to have rulership over an area, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. So this is pretty radical, and the right after this verse is when he calls on the fowl of the air. I didn't talk about it this morning, but you've got 172 different species of predatory birds start showing up in the land because the Ezekiel 38 war happens right after the rapture. God calls on the fowl of the air. Seven years later at the Battle of Armageddon, He calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. So you've got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. You've got Russia down in Syria. You've got fish in the Dead Sea. You've got foxes on the Temple Mount. So you've got tangible things to show you this event's coming very, very, very soon. But let's go a little further. Go over to Revelation 20 and we'll get to what I wanted to preach on today. It just takes me a while. How many are still glad you came? How many are glad you're here you're not in jail? Come on. All right. It's good to be in church rather than jail. Hallelujah. All right. Look at Revelation 20 and we'll start the millennium right here. This is how it starts. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, bound him a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. So at the second coming, he lets the natural people make it through the latter part of the trib and they enter into this millennial kingdom in natural bodies and right there at the start of the millennium, Satan's bound. One angel takes a chain and binds him. Not a legion, not a team, one angel. So we see the, the millennium starts out in perfect righteousness. The millennium's going to be very similar to right now. It'll be very natural. There'll be businesses, there'll be sports, but the curse will be lifted off the earth and Lucifer will be bound. God's so cool, he's going to give man a thousand years to choose him with, even without a tempter. And people will choose darkness rather than light even without the devil here to tempt them. 
but you'll be enforcing the kingdom that whole thousand years. You'll be right now. You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. So you're going to be fulfilled in the powers of the world to come. And you're going to be enforcing the kingdom all over the earth. While Israel is the head of all nations, you'll have a spiritual oversight, just like God raised up judges in the Old Testament. That's what Paul said. Why would you take something to a court when you're going to be ruling or judging angels during that thousand years? So whether you're comfortable with it or not, you're about to be put into a position of leadership. Wow, that went over real good. I guess I'll go preach back here. <laughs> Woo, okay. No, so whether we're comfortable with it or not, you're getting ready to be an overseer. You're going to oversee uh, uh, people or a region and all that. So let's look at some different th- thought patterns on the millennium. Go back to Isaiah. Grab your Bibles there and run back to Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 10 or 11, I believe it is. Won't it be cool, though, uh, during the millennium, the TV shows in the afternoon won't be Ellen and Dr. Oz. It'll be uh, the Apostle Paul. We'll have his own show. Maybe John will have his own show. Maybe they're interviewing your pastors, you know. And uh, Paul says, hey, what was it like pastoring in the last days? And, and you'll go, man, we went to Colossians. We went to Ephesians. We went to your letters to find out who we are in Christ. And all of a sudden, you'll hear heavenly hosts go, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward man. He reigns for eternity. Hallelujah. So the TV is going to be that. I mean, the movies are going to be... Peter and John going up to the temple at the gate called Beautiful. The hour of prayer raising somebody up. It'll be so cool. I believe Andy Griffin's still going to be on too, though. I have that, I have that feeling. I'm holding out for that, praise the Lord. We need, we need to have Barney there a little bit, you know. Because I talk about the Barney Fife anointing. You know how your buddies will have one miracle and they start, they start, going like, start doing like that? Yeah, whatever. All right, go to Isaiah 10 here and we'll get into the millennium. Look at Isaiah chapter. Look at the, uh, how things changed. The moment the Prince of Peace comes, watch. Isaiah 11, look at verse 5. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. Faithfulness the girdle of his reins. This is pretty amazing here. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall leave him. You're going to go to the park, and you're going to see a kid with a lion on a leash. I mean, that's going to be kind of weird on our brains for a minute. You know, It's one thing to have a dog on a leash. It's another thing to have a lion on a leash. So the moment the Prince of Peace comes, even the animal kingdom is altered. Beasts aren't trying to kill people. They're peaceful. That's how much peace he brings when he physically comes back to the planet. The curse is lifted off. Go a little further. And the suckling child shall play in the hole of an ass. The winged child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's end. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Man, it's going to be awesome. Uh, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, it's all going to be about Jesus. Amen. Think about his duties. Uh, uh, the press secretary for Jesus will go. Uh, he's going to be in Colorado from 11 to 11.07. He's going to be in Argentina from 11.07 to 11.15. I mean, they'll be trying to show his duties. You know, While you're reigning over a certain area on TV, the press secretary for Jesus will go, if you'd like to see Jesus in person... Uh, be at such and such a place at 12.09, and then he's going to be translated to Los Angeles at 12.15. It'll be, it'll, I'm serious. It'll be, people will be longing to see him. Yeah. Now, hang with me. Why? Why would they long to see him? At the second coming, the water from the Dead Sea is going to come right by the throne where Jesus is, and there's so much life in him that, that it quickens the water that goes out to the whole earth. It's purified and quickened because it gets near Jesus. Wow. Well, He's not near you. He's in you. If it can get close to Him, 
and it comes alive. How much more what you have on the inside of you. Amen. All right, let's go a little further. Does anybody want to hear this? Anybody into the millennium? Anybody excited about it? Let's go a little further because we're, we're t- give me a little bit of time to get to the end because it's going to bless you as we get to the end. Go over to Isaiah 30. Let's look at a little bit more. Isaiah chapter 30. This will show you what nature is going to be like. We saw what animals are going to be like. Look at chapter 30. Look at verse 26. This is intriguing right here. Verse 26. More of the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. And day that the Lord binds up the breach of His people and heals the stroke of their wound. So nighttime is going to be like our day right now. Daytime is going to be seven times brighter. So you have photosynthesis. So it's an oxygen-rich environment. People are living to a thousand years. I like it because it's never going to get dark. I know I've told you like every time I come, I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews. Then I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. Then I'm going to come right back around to St. Andrews. I'm going to play all day and I'm going to play all night because I won't get tired and it won't get dark. How cool is that? I mean, growing up, we played football. Even when you were on the football team, you'd come home from practice and play football when you got home. And then when it got dark, you'd get under the streetlight and play kill the man with the ball. Because you wanted to keep playing, man. We didn't have stadium lights to play kill the man with the ball. Wouldn't it be cool to never get dark? It just shows you how dark it is right now and we don't even realize it. So daytime is going to be seven times brighter. Wow. All right, let's go. Let's go look at church. So what will church be like? Is it going to be church during the millennium? Absolutely. Let's go look. Grab your Bibles there. Go to Zechariah. If you can't find Zechariah, go to Malachi and back up. You know where Malachi is from tithing. Amen. You with me? <coughs> go to Malachi and back up a little bit and you'll see Zechariah right there. Man, Zechariah 14 is probably some of the most detailed depictions of the second coming. I mean, it's just so graphic. But let's look at Zechariah 14. He's going to show us what church will be like. All right, look what he says here in Zechariah 14. Run with me there. It's page 1049 if you've got a Bible like mine. But watch how clear Zechariah is talking about church. Zechariah 14, it's right before Malachi, verse 16. It shall come to pass of everyone that's left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So we, we see there's going to be people left there, okay? They'll make it through that seven year period and they'll enter into the millennium. So watch what it says. They'll go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. It shall be that whosoever will not go up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them, watch this, there'll be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. Watch this. This will be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So with Jesus physically reigning from Jerusalem, you'll have people that make it through the latter part of the trip. When they have kids, when they reach the age of accountability, they won't get saved. They're called heathen. They won't go to church. With a perfect environment, without Lucifer there to mess with them, they still choose darkness rather than light. Crazy. This is a cool verse. In the ages to come, He'll show forth His goodness and His kindness to those that first trusted in Him. We trusted in Him when we couldn't see Him. He'll be, he'll be right there and people still reject Him when they can see Him. I don't know how you reject Jesus. He's too bright. I don't like His beard. What do you, what do you, how do you not like the Lord? 
But you know what? What's amazing is, I mean, you know, this, think, think of Pastor Stephen going, you need to come to church, you need to come to church. He's not, he's not doing that because he's an egomaniac. He's doing that because the Word will change your life forever. Amen. So they only have to go to church once a year. You know what that tells me? That the presence of Jesus is so filled with life, it sustains you for the entire year. Wow. While I've been here, I've listened to maybe three John Osteen messages on YouTube. I've listened to several Kenneth Hagin messages, listened to a Charles Capps message, and listened to the reading of Smith Wigglesworth's book, Ever Increasing Faith. Because if you don't ever feed yourself, your, your growth is retarded. You, you, I'm sorry. You, you say, feed a baby once a week and see how it grows. Back there with your little pups back there, how often do you feed your kids? Several times a day, right? Why? You want them nourished and you want them to grow properly. We want to grow properly, but we sometimes won't feed ourselves spiritually. They have to go to church once a year. Jesus is so powerful, it sustains them for a whole year. Wow. So we're getting closer to what our job is, because you're going to see people that won't go to church. You're going to be still trying to help them and bless them and try to encourage them. Hey, there he is. He's glowing. Got a cool beard, cool robe, (laughs) and he's omnipresent, too. That's kind of cool. And he knows every thought you have. That's kind of cool. Wouldn't it be amazing to have those conversations with people that have a tendency to reject him when they can still see him? Wow. All right, let's go look a little bit more. Everybody with me? Go over to Isaiah. Go over to Isaiah. We'll look back at chapter 60 for a moment. Then we're going to get to our, our purpose and literally our function here in just a moment. When you see what your function is, it'll bless you. Look at Isaiah 60. He gives you a little bit more info about the millennium. Isaiah 60, the latter part of the chapter. Look down at verse 21. This is page 832 if you've got a Bible like mine. Remember, it's good to write in your Bible. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Look at your neighbor. Come on. Isaiah 60, look at verse 21. Thy people also shall all be righteous. They'll inherit the land forever. A branch of my planting, my work work of my hands that I may be glorified. He said, a little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time. And then go down to 60, chapter 61. He gives you a little bit more kind of a picture of what it'll be like in verse 4. They'll build up the old waste places. They'll raise up the former desolations. And they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. So the, during that time, the Lord's going to let man rebuild the earth. He, he likes you putting your hands to something, the natural people are going to be rebuilding the cities. I know what Russia is going to do the first hundred years. I've preached in Russia many times. You're walking down the hallway of, of what you would call maybe a flat or an apartment building, and uh, you think they let their dogs out to go to the bathroom. I said, how come they let the dogs out to go to the bathroom in the hallways? They go, that's not the dogs, that's the humans. They don't own anything, so they don't take care of anything. So you know what the Russians are going to do the first hundred years of the millennium? They're going to have a super soaker filled with Clorox. They're going to be spraying their buildings down. So God's going to let them put their hand to the plow and rebuild the earth during that thousand years. It's going to be, won't it be cool to see the technology get to be like Back to the Future? Remember the Back to the Future movie, the second one, where everything's flying? It's all going to be like that. It's going to get crazier and crazier. Just think of the technology when, when the... The man that made the planet can help us. Yeah. Jesus is going to go, yeah, your, uh, your nuclear propulsion is going to be a little different this way. Let's make a few tweaks here. It's going to be uh, ion propulsion, nuclear propulsion. It's going to be cool. Yeah. We'll be in glorified bodies and we'll be translated at the speed of thought. Yeah. But we'll, we'll be looking at these little mortals. God bless you. You've got to run on a, a, a plutonium-based airplane. Praise the Lord. 
Because we'll be, we'll be traveling at the speed of light. You know, you know how you can measure the speed of light? Pull, have a gun, pull the trigger, the bullet goes around the earth uh, 11 times before you can get your finger off the trigger. That's the speed of light. That's how you'll function. Man, that's going to be cool. Alright, I'm almost at our function. Go to Isaiah 65. Let's look at this part right here and we'll, and we'll close here in just a moment. Hang with me. Isaiah 65, look at verse 20 because this is the cool part that I've done all this to get to right now. Isaiah 65, look at verse 20. There shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man that have not fulfilled his days. For a child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. So a sinner, he dies at a hundred years old, he goes to hell, just like they do right now. Indicating the righteous, natural-bodied people won't be subject to death. How will they not be subject to death? You'll be functioning in the kingdom like you're supposed to. For instance, all right, let's say during the millennium, a natural-bodied saint, he comes into your building and he's going to change one of your JBL speakers. He gets up on a ladder. He slips and falls and breaks his neck. It's not the devil doing that. He just made a mistake. He probably has what he says. He probably said his whole life, you know, I'll probably slip on something and break my neck. Mark eleven twenty three strikes again. Amen. The cool part is, you've already seen it in a vision. That's called a word of wisdom. You walk right through the walls just like Jesus did. And the guy's name is Alan. You go, Alan, it's a good thing you live in the millennium. Rise up and walk. And he's instantly made whole right there. You're implementing the kingdom everywhere you go. It's in you to raise people up. That's why we're frustrated now. We don't see as much as we should. It's because that's what you'll be doing for a thousand years. Won't that be amazing? I mean, someone has something, an accident or whatever, you show up right there, you've already seen it in the vision. That's called a word of wisdom. You saw it happen before it happened. Why didn't you keep it from happening? I'm sure the Lord will have you do certain things to keep things from happening, and certain things people are going to have exactly what they say just like they do now. Because He made you like a God. So hang with me. Let me give you a couple of these. Just run with me mentally for just a couple minutes. I remember years ago, I was in Yuma, Arizona. I was traveling with this prophet. Uh, Gosh, this was... 40, not 40 years ago, but close to it, 35 years ago. I was 17 when I started working for him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're there in Yuma, and uh, he, he finished preaching. I went back to the book table. All of a sudden, I had a vision while I was at the book table. I saw uh, uh, the pastor of that church in what's called a push-pull airplane. It's a twin-engine airplane. One engine is going this way, the other engine is going the other way. It's called a push-pull. They're really complicated to fly. And th- that plane was in a dive like this. And man, papers were flying everywhere, and that pilot was pulling back on the yoke of that airplane, trying to keep that plane from pulling out, of, you know, pull out of a dive. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting back there at the table, seeing this vision, going, "What in the world?" You know, I knew I knew it was a word of wisdom, but I didn't know what to do. We were getting ready to go to Denny's to have a grand slam after the service, so I'm thinking pancakes, bacon, sausage. You know, I'm not thinking, you know, visions. Next thing you know, we go to Denny's, you know, and I'm thinking, man, when do I say something to this pastor? We get to Denny's and that pastor goes, you know what, I'm going flying tomorrow. And man, my ears perked up. He goes, yeah, I'm going in what's called a push-pull airplane. I'm like, holy cow, I've seen this guy in a push-pull and a car, you know, the plane's diving like this. So I'm sitting there eating my, my, my grand slam going, when do I say something? Finally finished up a little bit said, you know, pastor, I've got to say this before we go. I said, before we came to Denny's, I was back at the church and I had a vision. I said, I'll tell you what your pilot looked like. Remember in the Old Testament, Elisha said, went not my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot. It was like I was in the plane. I'm sitting there watching the papers fly, watching that. I said, your pilot's bald, got a little bit of blonde hair on the side and had gold rim glasses. He goes, that's my pilot. I said, listen, don't be afraid, but I saw your plane in a dive. I saw papers flying everywhere. I said, I wouldn't be afraid. I'd just get everything checked out before you go fly with him. 
I flew from Yuma to Tulsa, Oklahoma the next day. That pastor called me. He said I went to the airport and that guy had lied and said he had a checkout ride and a push-pull. Got him a different pilot and flew where he's supposed to fly. No drama. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So see, tasting can save somebody's life. Think how much more fulfillment of the power of the world to come. Come on. Come on. I'll give you some more. I was in California. Um, I took my daughter with me this one summer, her senior year. She was going with me a little bit more on the road just because I wanted to be together before she went off, you know. And uh, she went with me to a church out in Southern California. And as we were walking in the church building, I had a vision. I saw a guy in the church look just like Robert Redford. I mean, seriously. And he had his hands around the pastor's throat just like this, uh, like he's over him, like they were upside down, like the, that guy thought he was over the pastor. And I told Lauren, I said, man, there's a guy in the church who looks just like Robert Redford, and he's got his hands around the pastor's throat. Lauren goes, man, that's weird. <laughs> so we got in the back room, you know, then the pastor came walking in, and uh, he's a dear friend of mine. I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? He goes, good. I said, hey, there's a guy in your church who looks just like Robert Redford. I said, but he's got his hands around your throat just like this, uh, upside down like he's over you. And my buddy goes, that's right. We're getting ready to start another church. And that guy that looks like Rob Redford said, I'm not going to let you start that church. It was just on fear, thinking he was going to lose his pastor. That guy told my buddy, I'm not going to let you start that church. Well, we came and my buddy undid his back then we wore ties. <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he undid his shirt, said, look, at, I have a rash on my neck because I'm under so much pressure from this guy telling me I can't start that church. Lauren and I walked out of the back room, kind of through the side right there to get ready to come in for the service. I looked over there and saw the guy who looked just like Robert Redford. I got up and said, he who looks like Robert Redford. No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. I preached about the plan and purpose of God for that pastor. He has an apostle's call to build and to plant. And you can't control that. You might as well get blessed by it. Get in the wake of that and let it bless your life. Because it will make you want to build and plant more as well. Now see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. See, so tasting can change the destiny of a church, can take the, 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 the lynching of someone that thinks they're over the pastor, trying to control the pastor. That's what tasting can do. I'll give you maybe one or two more real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close. Here, right over here in Oakland, Iowa, if you're, if you're uh, familiar with where Oakland, Iowa is, right by Omaha, Nebraska. I guess I'm halfway across the country now. I don't even, I don't even realize that. The real normal church, I taught the sons how to use their handbrakes in their cars and they ruined their hubs on their wheels. But I taught them that on snow, not on dry pavement. So, so there, it's a real normal church. I've been to that church many times. One of the years I was there, I was there during the summertime, a camp meeting, in one of the morning meetings. On my way to the church, I had a vision. I saw that pastor. His name's Michael Kalstrup. I saw him in a Cessna 210. And he's landing on a runway. He gets out of his plane. And I didn't even know he was taking flying lessons at the time. He has a, he's in a Cessna 210 in this vision. He goes out to meet a pastor. He said, I'm here to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. He takes that Cessna, goes and lands on another runway. And uh, another pastor came up and he said, hey, I'm going to help you not make some of the same mistakes that I made. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm having this vision on my way to the service. So I preached a little bit and I said, Pastor Mike, if this means something to you, wonderful. If it doesn't, forget it. I could miss it by a mile. I said, but you'll have your own airplane. You'll use it like a car. You'll take it all around this whole area to help these pastors here not make some of the same mistakes you may have made. He kind of smiled, got up after I finished. He said, what did I say last week from the platform? I'll have my own airplane. I'll use it like a car. Ramus asked him after that to be a, a regional director. He used that Cessna to fly up into North Dakota, fly up into Minnesota, used it like a car to help those other pastors. Sent me a picture of the airplane. I put it on my refrigerator. 
I've been back to his church probably 20 times. He still has that same Cessna. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. That's ta- See, that's called a word of wisdom. The future plan and purpose of God for that man's life. So, it's cool that we're enjoying that a little bit. Why, why would we get into all this? Because you're not done when we're raptured. You're about to step into a whole thousand years of operating this on a grand scale. Alright, I'll come preach to you, whoever that was. So let me, let me give you one more, then I'm going to go, who, who, who was that? Was, was that? Oh, it was? Okay. Okay, so what, you're the drummer, right? I'll come preach to you a little bit. So what's going to happen is, one of the times uh, Collie and I were living in California and flew back to Tulsa and went to Winter Bible, you know, and then we went over to some friends of ours' house for my nephew's birthday. And as we got there, I was in a minivan, which... I, you know, uh, not used to driving a minivan, but there was kind of a circle drive. And as I came in, there were cars everywhere and I couldn't park in the drive. So I'm getting ready to back out of the drive. So I told Colleen, my wife and our daughter, I said, you guys go in that door as I pull up. You guys go in that door. And I pulled up. I couldn't go out any further because there were cars everywhere. So I looked behind me because I could back up behind me, but I didn't look in front of me. Well, I didn't know Colleen had looked through the window and stood there at the front of the car. As I backed the car up, I ran over my wife. I heard her scream. Ah! I thought, oh my God, I just ran over Colleen. See, that's not good. <laughs> and so, I, 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 man, I, man, I just start freaking out. Like, I, I stopped, pulled the minivan off her leg, ran up there to her. She's laying on the floor, on the ground. Lauren's standing there over her, and Colleen is screaming bloody murder. I looked at her, I said, I command your leg and your ankle to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I said, get up. And she looked at me like, are you crazy? I grabbed her by the hand, picked her up like this. Power of God went up and down her body like a heater. She goes, oh my God, this is real. And I, we stood there for a minute. Cats and dogs and animals came running. Little kids came running. Colleen's standing there. I just had ran over her leg. She goes, I, she goes, I have no pain. I, we walked into the, the, the birthday party there. My sister goes, how are you doing? I couldn't even talk because I just ran over my wife. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So we have authority in the name of Jesus. We have access to gifts of the Spirit. We have all this equipment. It's because that's our harvesting tool for right now. But we're not done. We've been getting into how close we are to the coming of the Lord. How close we are to the rapture of the church. You're about to step into the next phase for your life. Why not learn how... Romans 8 is all about learning how the Holy Ghost moves. So you do that before you get your glorified body. Look, look back at Revelation 20 and we'll stop right here. I want you to see this last part. I, I'll let you go. I'm saying all this because we have a wonderful, wonderful future. Filled with, you've never seen a roller coaster until you see one during the millennium. The Lord had me say that in Omaha. Man, people looked at me like I was crazy. The Lord goes, see, we're so religious, we think it's just going to be floating around doing harps the whole thousand years. No, they'll be skiing. They'll be water skiing. They'll be snow skiing. There'll be basketball. There'll be football. There'll be roller coasters that are awesome. Can you imagine a roller coaster in a glorified body? Do you want to go faster? Absolutely. Come on. 
the, poor, the blessed little mortal's hearts, they'll be like, oh, I can't take it. Go back to Revelation 20. Look at this last part. This is crazy. Look at the end of the millennium. Watch what happens. Revelation 20. Look at verse 7. Watch what happens at the end of a perfect thousand years. You raising people up. You quickening people. Uh, you basically, remember in this dispensation, you've got, you got principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. The, the dev, that's the devil's rulership over the earth right now because Adam gave it to him. He's just copying the Lord's rulership. You'll have a sphere of influence over a certain region. Remember when he was going to cast the devil out of the swine? They said, don't, 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 don't cast us away from here. We want to stay here. They like that region. You'll have a region that you'll have oversight over. Similar to that. Not that you're going to be in a swine. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at Revelation 20. Look at verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. Wow. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. Always goes back to Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So at the end of the millennium, God's going to let the devil be let loose to gather all the rebels and what's the first thing they do? Let's go to Jerusalem and try to kill the saints. The devil's so stupid, he keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. What is amazing is that people will follow him and reject Jesus when they can see him. And Satan gathers them up to go attack Jesus in Jerusalem and us in Jerusalem. Fire comes down from heaven. That's the last rebellion right there. I mean, it's cooler than any Star Wars movie you've ever seen. Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. It's going to be Jesus strikes back right there. So what happens right after that is the great white throne judgment. And then God moves heaven down to earth. Wow. So great things ahead. We happen to be at the very end of this church age. Why do we have an end times conference? So we can see where we are in time. So we make changes. We don't fit church into our life. It is our life. We talked about the reward seat of Christ last night. He's going to reward you for your faithfulness. He's going to reward you for what you've done. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. I believe there'll be a song on our hearts at home of the coming of the Lord. There'll be a new renewal of inspired utterance. We call that prophecy. Not prophecy about the future, but inspired utterance. Where you'll speak over your kids. You'll speak over your jobs. You'll speak over your family. There'll be heavenly words to inspire them and encourage them and strengthen them. Because we've got to accelerate. What happens in a car when you need to accelerate? You need your tires in good shape. You need, you need, if you have a V8, maybe it's turbocharged. You want to make sure it's in good shape so you can handle the speed. On the Autobahn, I've gone 165 miles an hour. I would have gone faster, but there's a sticker on my thing saying my, my tires weren't rated higher than that. But I had it pegged at 165. People passed me at 165. So you want your tires speed rated? <laughs> You want your engine in good shape? So we have tune-ups when we have church. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for all this information about the millennial reign of Christ. Father, thank You that we can see what our job will be that will not be bored. We'll be functioning with You, Jesus. And Father, this season that we have, just before we're caught up, I thank You for blessing this congregation, Lord. May there be such a season of great joy and great hope almost blissful at their homes. It be a foretaste of glory divine. I thank You for it. I thank You for a renewal of hope, a renewal of joy, and great strength for every person in this room. I ask You, Father, they'll finish their course with joy. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Man, thank you for coming. I know that's a ton of information that I shotgunned at you about the second coming of the millennium. Fun things ahead. Very fun things ahead. Somebody you got damaged in your neck. Your neck's being healed right now. I don't know what happened to you. It's got a word on it. It's not a paragraph. But uh, you got damage in your neck. You just just receive it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This other thing's the bottom of your foot. I know that sounds weird, but the flat part of your foot, uh, you got damage. Now I'm saying that because, like the last meeting I was in in uh, Alma, Arkansas, I had a word of knowledge that a woman had damage in her uterus. She was going in for hysterectomy. The pastor called me, said the doctor said, "I understand it. Your uterus is fine." A man with two torn rotator cuffs. I called out one. He starts screaming, raised his hand. He goes, both of my rotator cuffs are healed. I'm like, wow. Another guy raised his hand. I go, what's wrong with you? He goes, I can see without my glasses. I didn't even call it out. I can tell you, I can tell you stories all day where people are freaking out. He's just so good. His mercy endures forever. See, oh, good. See, the Lord said someone uh, had trouble. So you slept good last night? Good. There was another lady here that I had someone had damage in their blood. She came up to me afterwards and said she the doctor just diagnosed her with some kind of trouble with her blood, but she's healed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Someone on the bottom of your foot's being healed. So I don't know what the whatever the problem was with that. Just take it, buddy. Amen. Sure appreciate you coming. You know, I I told you the story about the Bell's palsy last night too. That same church where I had that word of knowledge about palsy. One night I was there. Listen to this. I called out a word of knowledge. I said, there's someone here you got uh, uh, prostate cancer. Nobody came down. Nobody raised their hand. I said, I'll show you who it is. I said, this man right here. He goes, yeah, this guy knows for prostate cancer. Next word of knowledge I had. Nobody came down. I said, I'll show you who it is. I said, this lady right here. She goes, that's right. I said, you have, you have arthritis in your tailbone. She goes, that's right. Wow. Nobody raised their hand. Eleven people. I went and found them. Afterwards, the pastor, Chris Romine's his name. He said, he said, that's the craziest thing ever. Every one of those people were visitors. Never been in his church before. So God went out of his way to love on those people and show them how much he loves them. One guy said, there's a guy here using a car wreck. And uh, nobody came down. I waited for a little bit. I said, all right, I'll show you who it is. This guy right here. He goes, that's right. I had whiplash. I was in a car wreck. He wouldn't raise his hand. That Back then, I was calling on people to do that. Now, I'm in so much of a hurry because I preach so long. So, we've got to get out of here. Thank you for coming today. I'm excited for what's going to happen in Destiny Bible Church. Great things ahead. Wonderful things ahead. It'll be a great season of joy for you. Don't let the devil mess with you. Use your authority. Speak the Word over your kids. Speak the Word over your household. And watch the Word of God come to pass right in front of your eyes. Amen. I'm excited for you guys. Great things ahead. I think it'll be cool. You can have a, a helicopter pad. People can fly in and land on the building and cut out a hole. Pastor Stephen can swing in like Batman. <laughs> Whatever it takes, right? Amen. Thank you guys for being so easy to preach here. Look forward to seeing you again. Have a wonderful summer. I believe things will get back a little bit more to normal. And uh, we'll, we'll watch uh, the anticipation of seeing the King face to face. Amen. Thank you for coming. Give Pastor Stephen a big hand.